Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Let's go today to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2. And... uh, Vision Sunday, and uh, we're not just going to be discussing uh, your vision, how to write your vision. We'll talk about that some of what we're believing for, but the vision of our church, the vision of our ministry, where we're going, what God has laid on our hearts, and uh, the direction that the Lord has uh, asked us to go in this year that we're entering into, 2022 is an interesting year. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big uh, uh, purveyor of news. As a matter of fact, most of the news I get, I get second or third hand. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of good things going on. Not one amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I need an usher to run out and look at the sign on the front of my church and make sure I didn't ease into the Presbyterian church by accident. Hallelujah. You know, God's frozen people. <laughs> Glory to God. You say, well, I'm Presbyterian. Well, you're thawing out. You're here, so it's okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let me try that one more time. There's some good things going on. Amen. Amen. And, you know, if, if you just look at the news, and, and, and I share this just, you know, people have been so concerned. Or is anything going to get back to normal? You know, all, all over, all over the world, all over America, drastic changes are happening to policies, and, and we're seeing victory after victory. And, and those of us that have been consistently interceding and keeping the prayer pressure up, we're seeing the changes that God can make. Amen. You, you know, everyone was so concerned, and, and, and I'm not preaching the news, but I just want you to see some of the policies of, of the government and where it concerned corporations and businesses and all these things. And both of those cases went before the Supreme Court and both of them were struck down. We should shout about that. Why? Because, because it's telling us, listen, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. We're entering into this season, I believe with all of my heart, that the church is going to take another lap around the world. We're, we're about to enter into that season where God's opening doors, this year is the year for the church to display God's power. Amen. Amen. All, all over we see this happening. The World Health Organization, the leader, whatever you think of that organization, just just came out just a couple days ago and said there's no reason for everybody to keep wearing masks. There's not even any reason for everybody to keep getting vaccinated. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm not on either side of that debate, all right? I'm just telling you what's being said. But there, there are Christians, remember what the Lord said to us? He said there will be people that will start thinking like the world and talking like the world, and what they said will be established to them. I told you in the beginning of this in April, March and April of 2020, I took you to Matthew 24, 
And I told you, everything will get back to normal because the Bible says it will. You can't find yourself all in this state of flux that the world's in. You, you've got to get a hold of what the Word said and just stay with that. Amen. And, and whatever you've got to do, don't, don't start, be thankful. I say be thankful. Amen. Yeah, but you know, my kids have had to go to school online or uh, 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 they have to wear a mask at school. Be thankful they're not online. Are you following me? See, your thanksgiving will determine the direction that your faith goes. And I'm saying all these things not because I'm preaching politics, but there are good things happening. I say there are good things happening. The governor of New York, my Lord, the governor of New York just said they do not anticipate after, after this last stint that they will have a mask mandate in the state at all. And they do not, they, 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 they believe that there will be no more mask mandate in the schools or vaccine mandates. Well, what happened? Well, that didn't just happen. God's moving. I say God's moving. And that that helps you set your vision. Amen. In Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2, the King James says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. The Amplified Bible says, The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everybody that passes may be able to read it easily and quickly as they hasten by. Now, we're going to read another version, but that's my my goal today. That's my job today is to make it so plain that you can read it easily and quickly as you run by. The Message Bible says, God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming, pointing to what's coming, pointing to what's coming. Amen. Glory to God. Young's literal says, write a vision and explain on the tables that he may run who is reading it. Write a vision and explain on the tables that he may run who is reading it. Isn't our AV department good? Man, they're good. I appreciate you guys. Praise the Lord. Amen. But notice something. You'll never lay hold of more than you reach for. You will never lay hold of more than you reach for. A vision and goals are two different things. A vision is what you see, where you want to go, the end result. Goals are steps to get there. So I'm not talking about goals today. I'm talking about Bible vision. You never reach, you never lay hold of more than you reach for. There there are people in your life that you know that it seems like every year their life is just a repeat of last year. 
Maybe, let me go over here. Maybe they, they know those people. It's just a repeat of last year. I didn't say they were those people. Maybe they know them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Ron, sure to make sure. It's not me. It's, he's not talking about me. Okay. Hallelujah. But it's just a repeat. Right? It's every, every year. It's time to make the donuts. Have I just dated myself? Remember the Duncan guy, the little Duncan guy? That, that the commercial would come on in the 70s, 80s, and it was, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would roll out of bed, time to make the donuts, time to make, right? And that was just what he did every day, and it showed every day, time to make the donuts. That's not you. Now, maybe that was his goal in life. Maybe that was the, the end-all, be-all for him, to make the donuts at Dunkin'. I don't know. But here's the thing. I have learned this over the years. If I, if I get a vision for it, I can reach for it, and I can obtain it. Amen. But it requires reaching for it. I say it requires reaching for it. You never lay hold of more than you reach for. And it's your desire that motivates your reach. What do you desire? What is the desire of your heart? That's what motivates your reach. And you take that in any area, any area. And I'll talk, I'm, I'll talk about financial fitness, not physical fitness. You just stay away from that. People lose, uh, you lose people. But financial fitness, you know, if, if, if there's a, everybody in here, everybody that you know, but everybody in here, I'll talk to you. Everybody in here has more money than you know you have unless you're budgeting that money and telling it where to go. And you only budget and tell your money where to go when you have a desire for your money that is greater than what you currently have. Amen. You know, for some people, saving never meant anything until they had a child and they figured out, I'm going to have to send them to college. Then putting some money back meant something. But it became your desire. Hallelujah. It's your desire that motivates your reach. You start reaching. You let a guy go to the doctor, and the doctor says, look, we got to do something about these certain things because this is going to cause you a problem. And if you don't quit eating this or doing this or, or whatever you're doing, this is going to cause you a problem. That will motivate your desire to stop that. Right? Your desire motivates your reach. What, what, what do I desire? What do, and, and what you desire is what you have a vision for. Now, I'm not talking today about vision boards and these different things. I don't have a problem with that. What I, what I want you to see is your desire motivates your reach. What do I desire? Where do I want to be next year? Where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be uh, five years from now? It motivates your reach. Glory to God. The will of God doesn't happen randomly. It doesn't happen by chance. And the reason this is so important is it is faith. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. In other words, things that are specific, something that you're desiring, something that you have a picture for. That's what faith gives substance to. Faith does not give substance to whim. Faith does not give substance to something you're not focused on. 
Faith requires focus. Faith requires diligence. Faith requires you putting your spirit and your mind to work desiring something. Oh, hallelujah. That was worth coming to church for. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Have I told you all you're a great church? Well, you are. Have I told you I'm excited for you because something good's happening? Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Something good is happening to you. Mark chapter 5. Let's start here in verse 25. Now, you, you realize this account, but notice. A certain woman that had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things and many physicians, spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, touched his garment, for she said, if I can touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in him that virtue had gone out of him, turned in the press and said, who touched my clothes? And you remember the disciples said, the multitude's thronging you. The woman came, fearing and trembling. What did he say to her in verse 34? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. So how did this woman change her life? She had an issue of blood. She's not getting any better. She's getting worse. All right, so the hole's not getting smaller, it's getting bigger. More water's coming in the boat. How does she change that? How does she turn that? It started with a vision. She could see herself whole. Notice, her words displayed the image that was in her heart. Her words displayed the image of wholeness that she possessed. Notice verse 27. It says that when she heard of Jesus, she heard of Jesus. This reveals how the blueprint of wholeness had been transmitted to her heart. Because it says when she had heard of Jesus, then she stayed with the vision or the blueprint as faith gave substance to the things hoped for. She stayed with it. I got a blueprint, right? We've got a whole series on the framework of faith. Study guide, CDs, outlines. How you take your, your move from I believe I received to there it is. This woman had a blueprint. She had a vision And she stayed with the vision as faith gave substance to the thing hoped for. The more you stay with your vision, faith can give more substance to what you have a vision for. If I don't have a vision for it, there's nothing for faith to give substance to. Amen. And we're going to talk about the three things that that, that, that we believe for every year. But whatever you're believing for, if you're believing for healing, what's the vision for your healing? Well, I'm declaring the Scriptures. I understand that, and you should do that. But what's the vision 
of your healing. Why do you think we tell you, get a picture out of yourself? When you were at the whatever, the optimum health that you want to be at, that whatever it is, it doesn't even matter if you were younger. And what do you do? You put that on your mirror. You say, that's, that's my vision. That's my desire. That's the blueprint for me. And it's not mind over matter. That's a vision. That's a, a blueprint for me. You, a lot of people, you won't catch them writing things down, right? I, I, I want to be in this place financially. I want to be able to give this much into the kingdom of God. I want to be able to do this. When, when this program comes up at the church, I want to be able to give this much into it. Father, next year in that program, whatever it is, my family and I want to sow this much. It's, it's not you making something happen because you're thinking right. It's you're giving yourself a vision of something faith can give substance to. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 28, notice it says, For she said, If I can touch his clothes, I'll be whole. When the vision was established in her heart, she started speaking it. When someone has a clear vision, you can't shut them up about it. Because they're going, they're going to talk it. They're going, right? Amen. I remember a friend of mine called me one time. He was a, uh, a uh, with uh, FCF. He was a relational rep with FCF. And he called me, and he was talking to me about Bob Altimus. He's from the Southwest. And he called me one time, and he said, uh, he was talking to me, and he said, Philip, what, what is it that just, you know, cranks your tractor? I said, the local church. That, that's what I think and breathe and eat, and that's what I, I think about all the time. Lord, how can we do more with what you've given us? Because, because there's certain things that I don't need to be concerned about. It's I want you to do everything you're doing through us the way you want to do it, and you've and you got to stay focused on that. Amen. And so notice she kept saying. The Amplified Bible says she kept saying. You get a vision, and you just keep saying it, right? This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it, and you just keep saying it. If you're believing to be out of debt, you're talking being out of debt all the time. You've got your debt. Now, I hope you have your debts outlined. I hope you have everything that you owe. You might even need to call the bank and find out the interest rate and how they calculate the interest because you're not just paying the principal off. You're paying the interest off too. But here, here's the point. How much do I owe, right? How much do I owe? What do I owe on this bill? What do I owe here? What do I owe there? And then you're talking it. Well, what are you talking? I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you said in your word to keep out of debt and owe no man anything but to love him. And I thank you, Lord, that it is your perfect will for me to be out of debt. I thank you, Father, that all of my debts are paid. I thank you, Lord, I'm out of debt. My needs are met. I got plenty more to put in store. And you're talking it, talking it, talking it, talking it, talking it. When you pull up in your driveway, you're saying, doesn't whatever your address is paid for Willie Street look good? Amen. Amen. And you pat your house. You say, you paid for a house? God bless you. Praise God. It's, see, in our circles, we say, yeah, you keep your words right. You're talking what's in you. 
If you're just talking what's in you, hoping that your talk will produce something, you're backwards. Why would you talk healing? Because you saw in the Word that it's God's will to heal you, and now you start talking what the Word says about you. Confession is born of your faith. You start confessing because you see it in the Word of God. Amen. And so when you go and you lay hands on your house and you say, whatever your address is, you're paid for in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why am I doing that? Because the Bible said he would give me, give me, give me, give me houses that I didn't build. If somebody gives you something, there's no mortgage with it. And I'm not against the mortgage. I'm not saying you shouldn't have one. What I'm telling you is that's how you, you talk it all the time. You talk it all the time. When people walk by their car and kick it and go, piece of junk, why do they say that? People say, oh, it's a negative confession. Well, that same person that will, run, uh, that will berate you for a negative confession has no vision for their life. And they're not going to be in any better position than the negative person is. Why don't you kick your car and call it a piece of junk? If you do, that's what's in your heart. That's the vision that you have for that car. You're a piece of junk, right? And then what do you have? What you say. And why did you say it? Because that's what you saw. But what if you're seeing something else? If you're seeing something else, you can be driving a piece of junk, but it'll be a waxed piece of junk. It'll be a vacuum piece of junk. It'll be a piece of junk with dress tires. You'll, you'll put all the effort into it that you could because you're seeing something that other people can't see, but yet you're seeing it and your faith is reaching out there and grabbing it for you. Right now, your faith, if you have a vision, your faith is reaching out and grabbing and working to bring Bring you into relationship with what you're believing God for. Oh, glory to God. Amen. So important. Mm. When the vision became established in her heart and in her mouth, her actions fell in line with her faith. Wherever you have a vision to go, you will begin to act like that. Amen. Do, do, do you hear what I'm saying? Wherever you have a vision to go, you'll start acting that way. Now, where you want to go may be different than where other people want to go. There, there are people in here that there are places you want to go. You deal with people. You deal with different things, different stages. And, and you've got to see your, you've got to see, everybody's got to see themselves as a success. Dr. Les Summerall used to tell young ministers this. He would say, when you walk into a church, walk in on good carpet. Walk in like you belong there. Walk in like the stage is not too big for you. You can never let the environment you're in overwhelm you. Amen. If God made a way for me to be there, I belong there. You follow me? 
But that vision started years ago. Let me say this again. When vision became established in her heart and mouth, her actions fell in line with her faith. I remember hearing Andrew Womack say something, and it blessed me. It was years ago. Now, I don't know how many years ago. I think maybe 10, maybe more, maybe 15. And he was talking about uh, when they first began to build that facility there in Colorado Springs. I guess it's Woodland Park, right, actually. But in any event, uh, uh, you know, if, if you've ever, they have a tour. I've never taken the tour, but I, I know where it's at. If you've ever driven by their first, well, not their first, but their last ministry headquarters in Colorado Springs, I mean, it's big in comparison to some ministries, but it's small, very small in comparison to what they have now. I mean, Andrew was filming his television uh, broadcast in a corner of the garage. I mean, seriously, it was, about, it was about this big. And you just, you just couldn't tell because they had the corner made up. Well, that's where he's filming uh, his daily broadcast. Well, the Lord started dealing with him to expand. And you, you remember the series he taught and, 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 and uh, got on TV and talked about no more limits and, and how God told him he was limiting him and all these different things. You remember that. But here's the point. Here's the point that I want to make is when they got that facility built or the, the part that they started with and the offices were huge and, and man, when you went into the auditorium of that first building, it's, it's huge. But the one they have now makes it look small. But here's the thing. He's walking through there and he's taking people through there and people go, Aren't, isn't this wonderful? Aren't you shocked? Aren't you surprised? He said, no. He said, I've already walked here I don't know how many times. Right? Because I've seen it. If you don't see it, you can't go there. Vision orientates the activity of your life. It will determine the direction that I'm going. Amen. When you put a heading, when you're in an airplane and the pilot's getting ready to take off. Well, they have their flight plan, a flight plan. This is where we're taking off. This, If they have to refuel, they have it scheduled. This is where we're going to refuel. This is where we're going to end up. They have the heading. This is the heading. And, 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 and they will talk to the tower, and the tower will say, head east at a whatever number of heading. Amen. They know that's there because they've got a flight plan. You don't ever get in a plane with the pilot and say, well, where are we going? Well, we'll know when we get there. Get out of the plane. Get out of that plane. Right? Yeah, while it's on the ground. Now, now, why is that important? Because they know where they're going. And watch, all the way there, they have instrumentation that helps them what? Stay on vision. Stay on vision. This is where we want to go, and to get there, we got to stay right here. Amen. See, her words and the vision became established in her heart and her mouth. Her actions fell in line with her faith. What you have a vision for can be determined by what you're reaching for. 
Hallelujah. Because verse 27 says that then she came in the press behind and touched his garment. In verse 29, notice, she received in manifestation what began as a blueprint. We sing that song that says one day uh, uh, faith will turn to uh, substance. The song that we sing. When you start believing God, faith is substance. Faith is giving substance. One day, listen to me, you'll receive in manifestation what started as a blueprint. And a picture in her heart. Verse 34, Jesus said it was her faith that made her whole. It was her faith that made her whole. Then she testified of her wholeness. And because she was willing to share her story, all of us received the benefit of seeing how her vision became a reality. Amen. I've said this for years. Listen, anything that you see God do in our ministry, you can take those same principles and go home and get whatever you need from God. Because it might be a different thing for, for, for us in the ministry, but it, the principles work the same. Hallelujah. When, whenever someone says, you know, they'll drive by someone's home or drive by someone's whatever they have, I wish the Lord would give me one of those. If you were to do the same things that they did, He would. It's not so much God gave as it is that you did what was necessary to receive what was already yours. It's already yours by covenant. God cannot lie. It's already mine. Why do you call things that be not as though they were? Because with God, things that He says already exist. They have to come in existence for us, but God does not speak of things that don't already exist. He speaks of them that they don't exist in our life. The Bible says he calls things that be not as though they were. Where we're concerned, because it's not for me, so i got to call it as though it is. But God says what he's already completed. And so when God says, I, want you to, I will bless you and I will make your name great, God's not making it up as he goes along. He's not figuring out a way to bless you and make your name great. It's already there. It's already in place. That's why when you get a vision, isn't it funny that you show up and the people that you need to be in place are already in place and the things that you need to be happening are already happening because the vision brought you where the provision was. Oh, glory. In 1995, the Lord gave me a vision. I'm not talking about an open vision. He gave me the vision for our ministry. Based on Hebrews 11.3, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to build people's faith and frame their world by the word of God. He said, that's the vision for your life and ministry. Hallelujah. Now, he could have not have asked a more uh, uh, unlikely person to do that. I asked the Lord, I said, how can I build people's faith and frame their world by the Word of God? And I don't even have gas to get around the, the, the corner. 
I can't pay my bills. Amen. And there are people that would say, well, I, I was negative. It's where I was. I didn't know any better. But God yet came and brought a vision. Notice what he brought first. He didn't bring money first. He brought a vision. He brought a vision. Build people's faith and frame their worlds by the word of God. Amen. That's the vision. That's, that's, that's what everything has to be centered around. Does it build faith? Does it frame worlds? How does that build faith? I've had people come and say, this is what you need to do. Well, how does that build faith? Because I've got to know how it builds faith and frames people's worlds before I can get involved in it. I had a guy one time that wanted to pre present a multi-level marketing uh, thing to my people. Now, I don't have a problem with that. If you want to do that, that's fine. But this is not the business place. If you want to talk to somebody and go to their house, that's your business. But people say, well, what was your response to him? Uh, how is that going to build the faith of my people? So consequently, he never did it. Because it doesn't build faith. See, the, the vision, you have to stay in line with the vision. Over the years, the Lord has divinely connected us to people for impartation. The Lord instructed my wife and I to follow Pastor Caldwell's faith. And he said, as I was and am with Pastor Happy Caldwell, I'll be with you. With that impartation, God added to our vision. We became a spiritual production center producing life, city, state, nation, and world. Our vision is to build life or, or to build faith and frame worlds by the word of God. Ultimately, raising up a spiritual production center, producing life, city, state, nation, world. Amen. Hallelujah. There are aspects of our vision. The first is Hispanic ministry. The Lord spoke to us a number of years ago, and he said, be bilingual in your ministry. Be bilingual in your ministry. We went to community college in Johnson County Community College to learn Spanish. In Little Rock, right now, we have services in Spanish on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Hispanic Bible studies Wednesday at 7 p.m. We have a thriving, growing com congregation of Hispanic believers. It's important because that's an aspect of our vision. That's something that God says, I want it to continue to increase and something that I want it to continue to grow. And so in reality, we're not just, we're not two churches, uh, one church in two locations. We're actually three churches. Iglesia Constructores de Fe. They have their own praise and worship team, their own ushers, their own greeters, their own children's ministry. Children's pastor, that's me. Hallelujah. But here, here's, here's the point. Here's the point. That's an aspect of our ministry that's vital, a vital component to the vision. Amen. FBIMA. I have very many FBIMA graduates in here. I've been talking to Kim about that. We're going to resume our Bible college in both English and Spanish. 
We took this year off so that we could uh, 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 shore up some things. And if I can say it this way, pull it back into line with the complete vision. Amen. Because, you know, there's times you can start adding things to the vision that God didn't tell you to add. It was just something that you thought was a good thing. Amen. You got, you got to be careful with that. And so we're going to resume that this year. This year we're going to resume it. More details to come. <laughs> the Faith Builders Ministerial Fellowship. And uh, God keeps bringing ministers into our lives and ministers that want to hook up with our ministry. And so we have begun this fellowship a number of years ago but we're providing more resources and tools right now to develop the people and the churches connected with us in this fellowship, making that its own standalone arm of our ministry so that we can minister to those ministers. Every minister that's ordained with our ministry will not come to our church, but the, the, the ones that don't come to our church uh, 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 primarily need to be pastors because if you're ordained with our fellowship, you need to be submitted somewhere, and you need to let us know where you're submitted so that we can know that you're under the care of a shepherd and under the care of a pastor. Nobody is allowed to be an island under themselves, all right? But my point in bringing that up is so that's an aspect of our ministry. God is growing these different components of our ministry. You can't look at certain physical things, a physical building, a physical location, and, and wonder why this isn't or why this is God very often has to bring the components together, and then he, he enlarges the physical place. Amen. Healing ministry. God's pronounced that our ministry would be a house of healing and a house of miracles. We see that regularly. But we, have, we will have specific fo services focused on healing as well as our weekly healing school. Amen. Uh, in two weeks, I'll be doing a healing conference with my good friend, Prophet Leonard Ford. And uh, the, 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 the Lord is, I had a lady the other day uh, that we prayed for her heart and every symptom went away. She was totally healed, totally healed by the power of God. And so my point is, is that that's an aspect of our ministry. That's, that's part of our vision. Amen. Uh, television ministry and media outlets. You know, we're currently on VTN, Victory Television Network. Uh, we're on AlmaVision, which is a national Hispanic network, uh, regional Univision in the Little Rock area, and Telemundo, both regional. And uh, we just received uh, uh, an invite to be on a uh, Hispanic language uh, radio station uh, that is, uh, I don't know how many million watts it is, but it reaches into Mexico, it reaches... Uh, all over uh, Arizona, uh, New Mexico, all of these areas. And I met this uh, man and woman when I was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And the Lord gave me a, a prophetic word to give them, and it was right in line with what God had been speaking to them. And uh, I don't do that a lot, but th the Lord told me to do that. And uh, they contacted us not long ago, and they want Pastor Michelle's messages in Spanish, and they want my messages, of course, that are translated. But the point is, God continues to open these doors. And we're going to continue to walk through them. Amen. Uh, uh, we also have, of course, our live stream. We're continually upgrading, making it better, having it look better. Uh, our Roku channel, 
our YouTube channel, podcast, and the Word Supply. Those, those are all uh, uh, aspects of our vision that we're going to continue to drive into with the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, books and study materials. Now, obviously, all of our CDs, unless they're in a package, they're absolutely free. Every, every CD that we have is absolutely free. Uh, we, uh, we had a downloads page for a while, and honestly, sometimes just keeping up with the, the, the maintenance and dealing with a third party, it's kind of, a, kind of more of a headache sometimes than it is a, a blessing. And so we just decided we'd make everything available uh, uh, hard copy. But the point is, is the sale of our books and study materials all go back into the ministry to help produce more materials. Hallelujah. Uh, another aspect, prison and jail ministry. Uh, of course, the last two years have really severely limited us in being able to do that. But uh, we're pressing back into that with a vengeance. Uh, we're pressing back into it in Little Rock and, and of course, here in Kansas. Uh, if you were with us at the Celebration of Life on uh, Friday night, uh, I would say full well 75% of those men in that meeting were born again in our Bible study. Just a phenomenal turnout. And that was just from Lansing. That, those, the, most of those men that you saw were from the Lansing facility. They, they weren't from anywhere a long ways from here. And so we're pressing back into that in a wonderful way. Uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, ministry to children and youth focused even more on that. Uh, we're working on men's getaways this year. Uh, either we're going to have one in each place or we're going to have one where we all come together and maybe meet in the middle. And, uh, got guys coming from Arkansas and guys coming from Kansas so that we can just uh, get uh, obviously have the word, but uh, go fishing, go shooting, play golf, whatever you want to do, and then we, we, we have a good time. But here's the point that I'm making is, is we've got to press into that even greater. And so that's the vision. Women's ministry, of course. Uh, we'll continue with that as well. And ministry to children and youth. Hallelujah. So vital to what God wants to do for us. The Lord said to me a number of years ago when we first started the church, He said, if you'll always make children's ministry a priority, I'll always bless your church. You know, if you've got 10 children in your church, you ministered to Jesus 10 times that day. Jesus himself ministered to children seven times, specifically ministered to children seven times. Jesus said that you could not enter the kingdom of God until you became like a child. Hallelujah. And people spend great amounts of money, great amounts of money to bring great guest speakers into their church, and we do that and we don't mind. But then they give very little thought to their youth and children's ministry. You can minister to Jesus every Sunday. Amen. I tell my children's workers here some time ago, the people that we had helping in children's ministry felt like they couldn't do it anymore. And, and so I did what I've always done. I, I went to the children's ministry in Little Rock and I began to revamp it and, and look at it through the eyes of my vision. It's not that anybody was not doing what I wanted them to do, but I looked through the eyes of the vision and what do we see? What do we need to do? And I look at the, the, the ministries here through the same thing. And uh, we were going to have a meeting this week, but uh, things were not where we could, but we'll be having one in a couple weeks. But here's the point, is I begin to look back there, and I begin to ask myself, well, you know, who can help me? And, 
and there was one gentleman that was helping already and, and, and a young lady that wanted to help. And so I brought him back and we began to talk about the vision. We began to talk about the vision for this. And the vision for our children's ministry has always been this, is that we take the things of the Word of God and we break them down into little pieces so that the kids can get it. Amen. I heard a song a long time ago. It said, who will reach the children? Because it starts off, it says, go into the world and preach the gospel, right? God will bless all those that believe, but as you go, don't forget the children. Who will reach the children? Who will go and tell them? Who will take this precious message, break it into little pieces? Who will reach the children? Here I am, Lord, send me. Amen. And I talked to my team and I said, when you minister today, and that's what you're doing, you're ministering, whether you're wearing a puppet or you're, or you're using a puppet or using the Rover Comer costume or whatever you're doing, press and play on that DVD, whatever you're turning the lights on, turning the lights off, you are ministering to these kids. You're ministering to these children. This, this, is, this is not daycare. This is not babysitting. This is not something that we do to keep our children out of the main sanctuary. This is ministry to our kids. And if you could just see those little kids. Man, on, on Saturday night, those little Hispanic kids come in, and they're just overjoyed to be in the presence of God and to hear what the Word of God says. Sunday morning, those kids come in, and they're lining up, and we're checking them in, and God's doing And I've had people over the years, well, how does that make you feel to be a children's minister? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? That somehow they are less than what I have in here? Hallelujah. There are things that you had to be taught when you were 40 that they will learn when they're five. And that's why they will do more than us. That's why the generation that's coming up will far excel what we're doing because we are the foundation builders, but they are going to build the thing to the sky. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Just, just to see those little kids, just to see them, hear about the Word of God, see them, see them close their eyes and pray. Amen. It's powerful. It's impactful. Amen. And when people bring their kids to our church, and if you don't bring your kids, you should bring your kids. When people bring their kids to our church, they're not going to go back. They're going to get a lollipop. They're going to have a snack. They're going to play some games and have fun, but they're going to get the Word of God. And it might be through a pie in the face. It might be through Rover Comer. It might be through whatever. It might be honking a horn, but they're going to get the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's my heart. It's my passion. So we have projects to fulfill the vision. Transportation, present and future. Presently, we're updating the vehicles that we have. Hallelujah. The cost of that's going to be around $40,000. Hallelujah. Future transportation. I think we have a picture of our future transportation. That's our Cessna 421C, Golden Eagle. That's what we're believing God for. And uh, 
Uh, I am, when I get back, I'm going to be speaking to the people that hold the hangers, and I've got to talk to them about getting a hanger and, and get our hanger. And people say, well, where's the plane? I don't know, but I know it's coming. And, and, I, and I also know this. I know that it's the season. I know it's the time. There are things that we cannot do. I, 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 can't, I cannot, I've, I've got to pastor both churches. And, and for instance, the Hispanic ministry, Pastor Michelle does a great job there, and, and, but you, you would be amazed to see the upturn in families and men that show up when I'm there consistently. It's just the way it is. Amen. And with a plane, I can minister there Saturday night, go to the airport Sunday morning, and be here in an hour and a half. And then I can spend the night and leave home Monday, or I can go back home Sunday night. But, but this, this is the future. This, this is the future. Amen. Oh, glory. Uh, Project 2414. We've been talking about an amount. For the year 2022, the amount is $65,426. Sixty-five thousand four twenty-six. So, Project Twenty-Four Fourteen, of course, is our television ministry, our media arm. Uh, that's all of our television broadcast, everything that God's asking us to do. And uh, it's a little more than last year, but nothing for God. And then, of course, we have the Ezra Project. This is projects to fulfill the vision, and that is to prepare for the enlargement of our territory. And, of course, that's ongoing, so we're not putting a number on that. Hallelujah. Now, we have a cause. In 1 Samuel 16, we have a cause. First Samuel 16 and verse 1. Notice it says, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided me a king among his sons. Verse 13 says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. That's not Tulsa. Now, notice the anointing to be king was not for David alone. The anointing was for everyone, and here's a word I want you to see. It was for everyone who was scheduled to help him in the kingdom. The word schedule in its verb tense means to arrange or to plan an event to take place at a particular time. Everyone that was scheduled to help him in the kingdom. That anointing was there for them. You know, when you come to a church and there's an anointing there, and there is, 
anointing on that man, that woman of God, that place. Well, that's for you as well because you were scheduled to be there. That's why it's so important that you're where God told you to be because you were scheduled to be there. Amen. Do you see that? You know, when I look at my schedule, <clears throat> you don't find me in the same meeting three different places in one day. Because I'm scheduled to be a certain place. When God spoke to Elijah and he said, I want you to go to the river, and he said, and I will command the ravens to feed you there, that's where he's scheduled to be. That's where they're going to show up. When the brook dried up, he said, now rise, go to Zarephath, for I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So it comes back to where he was scheduled to be. Hallelujah. In 1 Samuel 17, verse 29, David heard Goliath on the battlefield, and he replies with boldness to the taunts of the giant, and his brothers get offended. Do you remember that? Remember how it reads? It says that, that uh, he was cursing the people of Israel. And verse 26, David said, what will be done for the man that kills him? Right? What will be done for the man that kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this non-covenant Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice how he responded to the taunt. You know, that's not just preaching fodder. That's a man with a covenant. He understood the covenant. When you understand the covenant, there's things you won't put up with. Because I understand I have a covenant here. His brothers, notice, were offended. Verse 28, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Why did you come down? Uh, uh. Where have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride, the naughtiness of your heart. You're come down that you might see the battle. Notice what David said. What did I do? Isn't there a cause for me to answer that way? Isn't there a reason that I should feel the way I feel? Now, see, here's what people have missed in this story. This anointing is on David but it is going to inspire those people that hear him. Amen. I'll tell you why a lot of homes never go any farther than they go. The husband and the father have no vision. And they never step up and talk about what God's telling them and what God's saying. Now, here's the thing. I'm not telling you to run home and talk about what God's telling you. If you've not been doing right and leading your family, keep your mouth shut and don't run home and run your mouth. you got to be living this day in and day out. Amen. 
you got to be living this vision, this, this is where God's taking us, this is where we're going. Come on, let's all get in agreement here. Let's all get together and hold hands and believe God. Amen. It inspires people. There's something that a child can go to bed at night with a security and a confidence that my parents are hearing from God and they know that they know that what you're saying is right. And don't play games and you're not wishy-washy and you don't take them to church one Sunday and then miss 3 months. Amen. You're worshiping God with them. You're getting them together and holding up the tithe together. We were sinners serving Satan, but we have transferred kingdoms. And this tithe is evidence that Jesus is Lord of our life. Amen. Amen. That's, that's vision. That's, that's transferring that. People say that sounds hard. I know it sounds hard, but that's the responsibility that I'm saddled with. I don't have an option about that. My family's going to go the direction that I'm leading them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so it inspired the men with him. The anointing's on him, but it's affecting those that are around him. Amen. Your vision, your anointing affects people around you. And David said, what have I done? Isn't there a cause? Isn't there a reason? Shouldn't I be thinking this way? Hallelujah. In uh, 1 Samuel 22, God brought people to David to receive that anointing. Verse 22, verse 2, everyone that was in distress and was in debt and was discontented gathered themselves unto him. Now, this, this is what always gets me. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say they gathered themselves unto God. It says they gathered themselves to David. Well, who was anointed to be king? David. Who was anointed to be captain over them? David. See, God will bring people to a church, and there's somebody in that church that's anointed to be your pastor. I'm not just a pastor. I'm anointed to be your pastor. That's, that's what's important, is that I'm where God has placed the person that's anointed to be my pastor. Amen. Amen. When, when we first came to Kansas City, we, we, we were looking for a church, couldn't find a church. And you've heard the story, but I'll retell it because it's my time. Uh, but uh, we finally found Deeper Life Christian Ministries. And we found Deeper Life because Elder Morton was on the radio. And, and, and I would be at work, and uh, Pastor Michelle would be listening to him. And I don't know if I've told you all this story, but uh, about uh, two weeks before this event happened that, that, that I'm telling you about, I had went to the Lord, and me and the Lord are just real honest with each other. And I was on my knees praying, and I said, Now, Lord, I said, I am, I'm tired of going to ministries. And when I walk in the back door, they, they recognize the call of God on my life, and, and you know, they want to use my ministry and, and the, all these different things. I said, I'm done with this fakeness. I said, I'm just telling you, if there's not anything real, I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to go to hell. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a big church, a Pentecostal church, and me and my family are going to go sit on the back row every Sunday, and I'm, I'm going to serve you. I'll witness, but I'm done with the ministry. I'm finished. 
I'm done. If I can't see realness, I'm done. Amen. Now, now I say that, and I say that with a, a sense of understand. I know what I'm talking about, the call of God on my life. So it's not flippant. So I just went on about my business. We're clear. We got each other straight, right? Like I had to straighten him out. <laughs> but at least he knows where I stand. And so I'm working at Blue Cross, I'm working late, I'm working a lot of hours. So I came home one morning, uh, one afternoon on a uh, Wednesday, and Pastor Michelle met me at the door and she said, Philip, I've been listening to this preacher on the radio, and I thought, oh Lord, I don't want to hear nothing about no preacher you've been listening to on the radio. And she said, Philip, they're just down the road, and said, it's so good, and he's always talking about giving God the glory, and they have church tonight. And I thought, dear Lord, not only has she been listening to this preacher on the radio, now we need to go tonight. <laughs> now, I wasn't backslid. I was just, I was fed up. And so we went, and I intentionally dressed down. And y'all know how I come to church. I intentionally dressed down. I figured if I don't wear a tie or a suit or even slacks and a shirt, they won't know I'm a preacher. Dumb, just dumb. And so I, I wore a pair of jeans and a T-shirt. I think it was a Christian T-shirt. So that helps some. Pray hard or something. I don't know. But we went in and sat down on the back row, on the back row, on the back row. And I had uh, Angela, our, our littlest, then she wasn't very old. And we moved here in, uh, well, actually, she, uh, let me see. She would have just been born. This would have been in 96. She was born in 95. So she would have just June of uh, June 26, 95. So yeah, it would have been uh, somewhere at the beginning of 96. And so anyway, uh, I, I was holding, her, Michelle was actually holding her, and I'm going to be quick with this. And uh, uh, Pastor Morton was ministering, and actually that night he had kind of a tag team thing going on. He's letting some of the younger ministers minister. So he didn't minister very much, but he, but he got up, and he, this is just the way he is, and he was holding that microphone, and 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 he stopped, and he goes, yeah, yeah, okay, mm, okay, yes, sir. And he looks back there at us, and I thought, oh, here it comes. And he goes, give me her. And I thought, whew, yeah, go on. <laughs> give me the baby. He said, her, I'm not a her. And so I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said to Pastor Michelle, uh, uh, quite honestly. But I know when he laid hands on her, she went down like a shot. And my wife is not a frequent flopper. She don't give courtesy drops. If, if it's, all right, I've watched pastors bend her, try to bend her over backwards. I'm, I'm thinking, look, she's not going over. Either you don't got it or it's not there. One of the two. I don't know. But uh, so she's down, and I'm thinking, well, this is real. I know this is real. Thank you, Jesus. You know, kind of praying in tongues under my breath, ba 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 and, uh, and so then he goes, yeah, okay, hmm, oh, okay, mm-hmm, and he have his go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, give me him, <laughs> well, what do you do? You can't, you know, you got an usher and, and, a, and a usherette ready to take the baby, and so I went up, and, uh, and, uh, he spoke to me, and he said, uh, two weeks ago, you were praying on your knees in your room, and you told the Lord. You said, Lord, if I don't find something real, 
I'm going to quit the ministry. I'm going to take my family, and we're going to go to a church and sit on the back row and just be saved. I'm not going to backslide. But he said, if I can't find, you said, if I can't find something real, that's real. Well, that became my pastor. That became our church. You understand? Now watch. It was a black church. I was the only white man, and she was the only white woman. Our only white kids were our little white kids. Pastor Morton told me, he said, for the first six months you were here, we thought you were with the FBI. <laughs> now, I, I, I make light of race because it doesn't bother me, but you, but you, you understand my point. It, there, there, was nothing, there was nothing more... unusual than that but that's where I needed to be they had something to say to me God takes you to the person that's anointed to be what you need them to be amen you're here to receive the anointing that Jesus has placed on this church This anointing is not limited to our physical or material needs. It's for the building of the kingdom in this community. It is to awaken people to righteousness and help them discover God's plan. You don't have to go there, but 1 Chronicles 11.10 says, These are the chief of the mighty men that David had who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom and with all Israel to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. The anointing was developed in these people as they fought together to see the kingdom turned in God's direction. They had to turn that kingdom back in God's direction. And the men became mighty men because of the anointing. And notice something. They qualified through three things, loyalty, commitment, and faithfulness. Loyalty, commitment, and faithfulness. Every Sunday, every Sunday of the world, I call the men that have impacted my life or text them and let them know, you've made such a difference in my life. I just want you to know, you made such a difference. Don't need anything, just want you to know. Why? Because that's the genesis of this. That's the genesis of this. Hallelujah. We can read the testimonies of them in 1 Chronicles 11. But in those testimonies, you see attributes of the anointing on David. The anointing of God's available if you're willing to be available to this vision. I got to be willing to be available to the vision. The people that I see with the most steadfast lives are people that are the most steadfast where God called them. In, in, in any area, when you're steadfast where God called you, there's a steadfastness in your life. That's so important. And these mighty men did three things. First of all, they connected to the cause. Is there not a cause? They connected to the cause, to what God had called 
David to do. When you read throughout the scriptures and you read throughout their campaigns, when, when David went to war and one of Goliath's brothers was attempting to kill him, and the Bible says he almost did, but uh, Abishai uh, secured the giant and killed him. And they, they told David, they said, you're not going to go to battle with us anymore lest the light of Israel be put out. Now, that's not just about helping. That's They understood, wait a minute, everything that God's wanting to do is through this, right? They, they connected to the cause, to what God wanted to do. Secondly, they received the revelation of the covenant. This is how God wants, they, they, they watched David stand on his covenant and defeat Goliath. You've got to have somebody whose faith you're following, that you, can, that you can see them use their faith to change things. And thirdly, they qualified for the impartation through loyalty and commitment. Notice, they qualified or the impartation through loyalty and commitment. The Lord said to me one time, he said, there's three things you must never waste. And he said, number one, you must not ever waste time. He said, number two, you must not waste opportunity. And number three, you must not waste impartation. Don't waste time, don't waste opportunity, and don't waste impartation. Now, the reason the first two are so important, don't waste time and don't waste opportunity, is because it will require both of those to fully walk in impartation. I can't waste time. Because time is required to walk in that impartation, whatever it may be. And God will consistently bring opportunities into your life. You can't waste those opportunities. Whatever that opportunity is. If God's given you an opportunity to get involved in something, and, and I'm not just talking about a department in the church. I'm saying in any area. But if, if, if God's given you an opportunity to get involved, I don't want to waste that opportunity because it's a connection to a greater thing. It's a connection to a greater thing. These men that came to David in the cave of Dullam, they could have found any number of reasons not to go there. But they didn't waste that opportunity to be involved. Impartation is available if I'm available to the vision. Hallelujah. Just being available to the vision. Now, as we're wrapping this up, we talk about writing the vision. And these are things, of course, that you should do with your family. Brother Dave, I think we have that, don't we? I think we, you were telling me, yeah. Uh, and we'll, we give them here in a, a, a nutshell, and I'll kind of expound on those for the next maybe five minutes. Uh, writing the vision, and we're going to talk about these three things. But, you know, so we have these what do you want to give on the night of giving or give throughout the year? What do you want to see paid off? What's the desire that you want? The first thing I need to do is I need to sit down with my family. If, if you're, you're not married, you don't have kids or whatever, then you, you, you want to obviously sit down with yourself. 
But sit down. Take some time with your spouse and your children. I think one of the worst things that parents can do is not involve their children, even when they're really young, in these kind of things. They may not, they may not mentally understand it all, but they need to be exposed spiritually. And, and take some time. Sit down with your spouse and your children and, and check your heart and talk about these three areas. What, what do we want to give this year? What do we want to give as a family? You know, every year I check my heart and I talk to my wife and I talk to Lily and I say, all right, ladies, we're going we're gonna to increase our tithe this much this year. This is what I feel like the Lord would have us to do. What do you feel about that? People say, you ask Lily that? Yeah. Oh, she's only five. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. Now, she'll come up with some outlandish answer sometimes, but the point is I'm, I'm checking my heart, talking about those three areas. And then you write down those three things. What do you want to give this year? What do I want to give? What do I want to sow into the kingdom of God this year? Right, because I, I'm getting a vision for what I want to do. It can be at the night of giving. We've got families that, that, that work all year towards that night of giving, and I believe it's going to increase this year. But what do I want to give? Number two, what do you owe? Now, that's every debt, large or small, write down the principal. You want to write down the interest, write down the interest rate, the payment, whatever it may be. It may be your house, it may be your car, it may be medical debt, I don't know. But you're writing down what you owe. And then here's a very important one. What would you like to do or have personally if price was of no consequence? If price was of no concern? We, up here, I think we call it a desire that you want, a nice to have. Well, why would I do that? He said he'd give you the desires of your heart. Think about this. Remember what we said early in the message? You, you, you're, you're not going to reach. Your, your reach is shortened or lengthened by your desire. Don't limit God. Amen. And so I, I, I go around the table. What, what would be nice for you to have? What do you want this year? What do you, Lily, what do you want? Pastor Michelle, well, I don't call her Pastor Michelle, but Michelle, what do you want? What do I want? And we write it down. We put it down. This is, this is what we want. It could be something for the house. I have some things I want for the house, all right? God's been good to me. There's not a lot I want personally, but I want some things for my house. Uh, Lily wants a new puppy and a certain kind of puppy. Well, what we do, put it down on the list. Why? And then every night before we go to bed, we lay hands on that list. Father, we thank you for our puppy. We thank you that he's coming to us in the name of Jesus. Why don't you just go buy it for her? Because she needs to use her faith. God will give me the money. She don't have a job. God will give me the money for that dog, and he'll tell me that's the money for the dog. You say, what do you do? Then I'll go give Lily the money and say, let's go buy your dog. Amen. Amen. It's important. And, uh, oh, hallelujah. And then hold those papers up before the Lord. And acknowledge the Lord as your source and thank Him for caring for you in time past. Ask Him to enable you to fulfill the vision that you've written. 
and then claim all the funds necessary plus some extra to give, to pay off and do what you've written. Tell the devil to take his hands off your money. Forbid him to hinder it coming to you. Charge the ministering spirits to go work and bring them to you. And then thank the Father for it. And thank the Father for it. We do this every year without fail. Every year we do this. And every year we see God do what he promised. Every year. Every year. It's important. And it doesn't matter if you're single, if you're old, if you're young, if there's just the two of you, if there's you and five others, whatever it is. I'm doing this because I'm getting everybody's faith involved in my home. I'm going to see the vision come to pass. Hallelujah. Let's stand up today, shall we? I don't know that we can make it any clearer what we're believing God for, what we're going to get done, but we're going to get it done. And uh, folks, all of these things, I need you to bring your faith to this. This is not just something that we would like to do and something that's just going to happen. Uh, you know, when we pull up that picture, that plane in services coming up, and we release our faith, we're really releasing faith. The Lord told me in 2017 at the week of increase at Faith Life Church, he spoke to me early in the morning in the, the little apartment that we had rented there, and he said, uh, you need a plane like I needed a place to celebrate Passover and like I needed a donkey to ride into Jerusalem. He said it's not a status symbol. It's a tool. It's, you need it. That was it. And that, that's my mindset. So I'm just using that as an example. The things, the things that you're believing for on your vision, you, God needs you debt-free. God, God needs you pressing into these things that, that you see that, that money's no object. It might be a, a vacation for your family. Is that important to God? Is it important to you? I'd like to take my family to Walt Disney World or whatever. Well, don't limit God. Amen. And you say, well, what if all the money don't come in? Well, the money might come in to go to Silver Dollar City. Go there. Start there. Don't, don't get put off because you didn't get $50,000 the first time you set out to believe for it. Glory to God. Father, thank you today. Thank you for the vision of your people. Thank you for the vision of this church. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to believe you for these great things. Lord, this is an opportunity to stretch our faith, to increase our vision, to walk out your plan for our life. And so, Father, I thank you for each person here. Thank you that they're a part of what you've called us to do. And as a result, that anointing rests on their life and rests on their spirit. And I come into agreement with them now that those things that they're believing with and believing for, I agree with them that they shall surely come to pass. And because you cannot lie, you said if two of us would agree on earth as touching anything that they desired, it'd be done for them. So we thank you. Ha <laughs> ha. In the name of Jesus. Amen.